Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm so excited. I just like, I'm so excited for all the guests, <laughs> especially the, like, the ones that I get to talk to and interview this season. Um, with us today is Susie Banks Baum. And I'm just like, welcome first to the show, Susie. I'm so excited to have you. Yay. You are joining us from um, Massachusetts. Am I correct? Right. The Western Edge. Yep. Yeah. And, um, well, you're an artist, um, and you do really amazing work, especially how you connect with nature. So I wanted to talk more Mm. about that. Um, and well, I love that you're joining us outside and we were just talking before I hit record (laughs) how you had the reflection of this beautiful tree behind you. Mm, And I just feel that encapsulates your energy so well. (laughs) Oh, well, that's, yeah. Well, this oak tree is a beautiful, beautiful tree. And it fills up this, this part of our yard. It gets the morning light that, you know, it's gets the Eastern light. And then, and then the, the far side of the tree is open to the West and it, it's filled with light from noon on. So it's just this amazing way to watch the light change throughout the day Mm -hmm. I mean I'm sure you have things like this in your world Michelle that you just you know a lot of people would look at it and say yeah it's a tree but to me it's this being right this extraordinary Mm -hmm. presence that is such a shelter and you know we've lived in this place for 25 years and I have such a memory, a distinct memory of my daughter making, Catherine making, um, she used to make rings of oak leaves in the yard and then sit in them. And she would say she was sitting inside a Cheerio. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> she would be this little like child in this sea of leaves. Anyway, yeah, that's the oak tree. Wow. I, Yeah. Um, that's, I love that story. And it just, it's interesting because I, I connected, well, I knew about you just through, um, I guess through like mutual friends. Um, and then I was following, uh, Mary Lofgren. Um, and this was like maybe two Decembers ago. Yeah. Mary Lofgren, I think she's, I interviewed her episode number two on my podcast. Yes. <laughs> you got to scroll yes, all the way did. down. Yeah. And, um, uh, what was it? Yeah. So I was seeing one of her posts and she mentioned that she joined your Advent dark journal. And this was like two holidays ago. And I was like, what is that? I was just so fascinated by the name, um, like Advent dark, like, you know, and it was during like, you know, the winter solstice timeframe. Um, and I think by the time I wanted to join, it was already sold out and timing was a little iffy anyway, so I, I, I remember I marked it on my calendar, pay attention <laughs> for next, you know, next year. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I joined immediately of 2022. Like, I think it was like enrollment was October, November. I don't remember. And um, I just loved, I just loved everything about Evan Dark Journal and what like my takeaway from it was just my relationship to like darkness, like physically, right. like because like, the days are shorter. And there's just something about how, just how you led the, the six week program. And it's all around being artistic and, and, you know, and not artistic, but like, yeah, like letting our creative side come out. Um, right. And then you sent us this package 
like snail mail, which is so rare these days. <laughs> I just loved every secret. moment. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. Well, it's, yeah. you know, it's really a beautiful thing to witness someone, someone's response. You know, the holiday season in Western culture, the holiday season is such a loaded time. And we all think we're supposed to be holly and jolly and problem free and have all kinds of money to do everything we, you know, everything we think we're supposed to do and, and all kinds of time to do it in. And, and it's so not that way for so many people, you know? Yeah. I, I witness it, you know, I experienced it in my young life before I had children, when I was a working actor and didn't have a lot of money and then becoming a mom and, and, recognizing my responsibility of creating a holiday you know like sort of really setting it up with my my partner like what is this for us and then moving out into the world and with the people I work with witnessing you know the agony I mean everyone thinks oh you know Christmas is such a happy time it's a happy time for some people but not for everyone yeah and to really carve out time to make things and to explore in a way that's not immediately productive. You're not making gift wrap paper or you're not knitting a sock for someone, you know, you're not doing those things that seem to be so connected to the holiday. You're noodling around in a book that you made and you're spending time outside at twilight and seemingly unproductive things are so deeply nourishing. Mm. any time of the year but during that time of the year and to me nature is just full of reminders to um attend the light i mean I, one of the things i really enjoyed michelle but your experience of advent dark journal was being in the pacific northwest as you are and didn't you travel during that period also or didn't you no, I came back from Good. travels. That's that's why I had time. Oh, <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, but but that you know, being in being in a landscape where that's not necessarily snowy, but but you really do witness the change that nature goes through with the season. Um, I think it takes a certain nudging to tend to that, to attend to that, and even I'm thinking about what I just said a minute ago about the tree, you know. I have an oak tree, like we all live in relationship to nature in some way, no matter where you live, nature's going on all around you. And it's just a matter of deciding where you're going to put your focus, you know? Mm. So. Yeah. I, there was something about just, you know, um, I'm on your mailing list and working with Evan Dark Journal. There's your connection to nature and how you bring that alive. I mean, it was just so apparent in Avondark Journal and just in our conversation now. Um, like, I guess, like, how does nature inform your work? Mm. Mm. Well, as a human, let's not even call me an artist or a writer or teacher, just as a human nature informs my life in mm. every way, both with the food I eat and the conditions of the place where I live and me, you know, what I wake up to every day, what I'm fortunate to wake up to. And in all of my years of living in different places in the world, um, gosh, okay, I just have to say this memory, Michelle. I was in Australia. I was in the um, in this place called Mullumbimby, which is near Byron Bay. So it's north, north, north of Sydney. And my friends were hosting me, and I was sleeping in this room. Now this is this is somewhat rainforest territory. Little, I, I'm not exactly sure what that terrain is called in Australia, but it was. Low mountainous, but tropical. Mm. And they, I was asleep on the floor, like on its beautiful sort of pallet on the floor. 
with a window that came down to the floor. So I was basically sleeping protected, you know, in a way from snakes and all the things that can happen, you know, <laughs> in, in Australia in particular. Um, and yet I was vastly, like, I remember waking up and taking in this landscape that was new to me and hearing the whip birds and all these different birds that I'd never heard before. And, and like, there was a sense of my humanness that was so both vulnerable and I was protected, but vulnerable and awakened. And I think that's the thing that nature does for each of us. And it certainly does that for me because I am tuned to it that um, wherever I am, I go outside as soon as I can when I wake up. I step mm. outside, even if it's super duper cold, um, because I feel like that—that that sensation, that moment that I had in in Malambimbi, I have almost every day of like, mm. oh, 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 look, 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 and and you know, so that kind of, um, you know, Mary Oliver has this line in her poem, "Mindful." She says, "Every day I see something that more or less." fills me with delight mm. you know and and you know years of living in new york city um and being enamored with ginkgo trees which are a tree that has survived decades so you know it's, it's one of the oldest varieties of trees on the planet and you know they're in the city streets and the tree wells and crammed in the sidewalk are these ginkgo trees and you know i just I think that I have always looked to nature for a certain kind of comfort mm. and a certain kind of um, of reminder that yeah, it's okay. Well, let's let's go get what we need for today, and you know that's kind of my inside relationship. And and then in terms of my work, it you know I raised with my husband we raised our two children in this particular house and this under that oak tree um in this environment and it um you know i really saw how it was not only the backdrop for every photograph we've ever taken outside you know it's not like nature is just a you know scenery for a photograph but it, it this landscape was is still important to us as a family and when I really began writing about motherhood and creative practice I couldn't ignore the comfort that I got in my really dark times from the, the thing I write a lot about is laundry so you know the experience of hanging laundry outside and how that you know doing this very practical mundane bothersome to some degree chore but doing it and having it force me to be outside because, you know, don't need to use the dryer all the time, right? Um, that was a way that that act of hanging laundry got me out of the house, got me, I don't want to say away from the kids, like I had to run away from them, but it gave me some distance. And it became the place where they would come to find me if they needed to tell me, you know, I got my period or I'm worried about this or mom, what do you think about this? Or I'm afraid to talk to, you know, I'm afraid about this thing. I need to talk to you about it. And so the outside connecting the outside world, the, the world of nature with the very um, kind of wearing aspects of motherhood helped me recognize the thing that had been true for all my life but I hadn't really acknowledged it was that I find and seek comfort outside mm. I realize that's a super long answer to your question oh I loved it good good <laughs> I hope it made some sense yeah it, you know I look at shapes of nature all the time you know I I eco dye paper I eco dye fabric I you know I'm I'm a gardener. I grow food. I grow, I don't grow all the food we eat at all. We belong to a CSA, but, you know, I grow tomatoes and herbs and, um, 
fruit. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. And, and I, and I, and I know it's not possible for everyone to be in relationship to growing things because there's an immense amount of forgiveness in that. And, um, you know, people always say, I've heard people say, oh God, I can't grow a thing. You know, I kill every house plant. Like, well, maybe you just haven't found the right house plant. You know, there's, <laughs> there's, there's company in growing things. You just need to figure out what you're compatible with. Compatible with. I love that because I'm one of those people. <laughs> Are you really? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, um, I think the thing, I mean, I gave it away because I was traveling, but like bamboo was the easiest because I just add water. <laughs> like, and then, <laughs> oh, it's running low, add water. Um, that's like, I've killed cactuses and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably because you overwatered them. I over, yeah. And I'm not consistent. <laughs> like, sometimes I'll do it and sometimes I don't. So, at least with bamboo, it's like, oh, yeah, it's running low. Let's add water because I could see it in the glass. But anyways, <laughs> well, but you live you live near water, or you live in a way that you can go to water, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, I see. And, I see water from where I am. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up on the Great Lakes. I grew up. I was born in in um, Evanston, Illinois, so at the base of Lake Michigan. And then my family moved to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan when I was nine and that really became my home. I think of that area as my home, the Northern end of Lake Michigan, and then the land between it and Lake Superior. So, and that's where my grandmother was born. And, and I feel much more connected to that place as a place of my ancestry mm-hmm. and, and water, I think is, you know, I've been talking, you know, when we've been speaking of nature, we've been thinking of growing things, but, but rock and, and water and the elements that earth brings us are um, equally important and equally nourishing and differently nourishing, mm-hmm. you know, especially people who live in the Southwest who live with a lot of water shortage or, you know, in a much drier environment. Um, I think what I want to say is it's, it's possible to feel connected to nature no matter where you are. And that, seeking that out, you know, that's part of Advent Dark Journal. Mm-hmm. It's so much of what Backyard Art Camp is because we meet outside and we stay outside no matter what the weather. Um, I, I think it's just part of how, part of a core curiosity for me, let's call it that. Mm. Have have you always like has your work always been art related? Like, or was there like a time when you were, I don't know, doing computers or something? Something else, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good question. Really good question. So yeah, in a way, yes. I was a real misfit as a kid. Um, so I thrived in church choir and then I thrived in high school choir and then I got into theater and I became a theater professional. I trained as an actor. My first profession was as an actor. And I worked in professional theater for the first like 13 years, 15, almost 15 years of my adult life. And so, yeah, I have worked in an artistic atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I made my living in New York City, as you know, almost everyone has to have a side job or, a, you know, you're, you're a waitress or something. But I had learned to sew when I was a girl. My grandmothers were both really great seamstresses, and my mother was not. So when I was 10, I learned to sew, and I began making my own clothing. And that became my steady income all during my years in New York. So I worked for in costume shops, uh, which was so... Can we swear on this podcast? Of course. It's like, it's okay. encouraged. Sorry. No, it was so fucking cool because, you know, so many of my friends were making their living being waitresses and having to deal with the public in that way, which can be fine. You know, it's a great way to make a living. I didn't want to do that, though. And I wanted to. I loved working in costume shops because I was around incredible productions. 
I worked for the Martha Graham Dance Company as a stitcher. Uh, one of my good friends from college was the head costumer for Martha. So, uh, you know, I mean, at the time, these were all jobs that were like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not on Broadway, but I'm, I'm working with Martha Graham. Like, I didn't think of it. I thought of it, you know, it was fun and it was interesting. But it, as I reflect on it now, I'm like, wow. That was a really cool thing. (laughs) So I was, so to answer your question though, yes, I have, even when I haven't been thing, I think I'm supposed to be doing my profession. I have been in an artistic atmosphere. It just seems to be what I have a lot of facility with. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've, I, I also, um, in those years when I was in New York, I, were, I was in an improv class and I met a woman who was doing really fine quality stitching, so couture work um, for private clients and she needed an assistant. So I became her assistant. And that was really cool because I learned, I refined my stitching style. I learned a lot. And then I started doing it. I had always since high school been making clothing for other people. But then I really did it, you know, as as my work and I could work my acting class around it and auditions. And it worked out for a long time until my son was like a year and a half. And then I couldn't, then it was just, I couldn't, it was hard to be an actor and have a baby. And it was hard to also run this business with a person who was climbing around the floor all the time. And so I had to sort of weed things out and figure out how to live in that next period. But yeah. I've taught yoga. I mean, I studied yoga for a long time and I taught yoga and then I've also taught gardening um, with kids. I've gardened with kids a lot. And so those aren't necessarily artistic behaviors, but they are certainly, that's certainly work that requires a certain kind of attention. Um, so I've been fortunate that my, I've been able to support myself and contribute to our family life in those ways all this time oh my gosh I love it I like like especially having the gift of sewing and like Mm. like clothing I feel like it's almost not a lost art but people don't think about that but when you like even wedding dresses like there's there's a finesse to it (laughs) yeah no it's true and and you know, there is this big movement of, you know, mindful stitching and um, handmade, you know, Alabama chain. And there's this whole sort of group of people who are, who are sewing clothing. And it's like, I'm, I, okay, so maybe we should talk about my age, but I'm old enough, Michelle, that when I was in junior high school in seventh and eighth grade, I didn't get to go to automotive class or printing mm-hmm. or, you know, um, metal workshop. I went to home economics. Mm. So I learned as a seventh grader how to make biscuits. I learned how to sew. I learned how to match plaids. I learned how to put in a zipper. I learned these things that, you know, were fundamental for me in my life, which are, you know, I don't know if, if I had had a choice, would I have taken auto shop? I don't know. I yeah. I was really I was really interested in sewing and I didn't some girls in my class hated in hated hated those classes. I loved them. My home economics teachers were great. But so those were I was in in my town, I was in the last class that mm. it was girls only. And then we got to choose. Then Title IX happened and lots of things mm. began to shift. Um and girls had more choices. Um but I'm, I'm glad I learned that stuff. And I try to teach people in my world. Um, but it's funny, you know, everything that I do now with book art and with eco dyeing, all of my skills sort of come together. Yeah. I mean, there's, you, know, you used a yeah. needle with your book. Yeah. Yeah. And also you're seeing like plaid, like, I guess it's like pattern matching in a way. Like, yes. yeah. yeah. Um, that I just, I'm like in awe of skills like that. Cause I'm, I'm, you know, I know how to like hem my pants, I guess. I know how to like, you know, if something ripped, I know how to sew that up. Um, mm-hmm. have you ever read the book city of girls by Elizabeth Gilbert? Um, yeah. 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 There you go. 
Yeah, because like the main character, she know she knew how to sew, and that's what really saved her. Really, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, there's there's something that could be said about that. I mean, it, it, you know, I was not being cast on Broadway as I thought I should be. You know, I was so. Um, I mean, when you're when you're an actor, as in many professions where selection, where there's only one job for every. 20,000 people who want that job you know I mean the ratio is just horrible and if if I had thought about it seriously I I wouldn't have changed my mind but you know that there's that sense of um sewing was just this through line Mm -hmm. I always knew I could pay my rent I all you know maybe I'd be a little late maybe I had to take a job I didn't want to take but it was it was really I am grateful. You know, my grandmother taught me how to make an invisible hem and I'll never forget standing with her at the ironing board. And she was demonstrating how to press a hem and, you know, how to prepare the, so imagine the bottom of a dress or a skirt, right? And the amount that you fold up, I mean, there's a little bit you fold under so the inside is clean and you press it in a certain way so that then you can stitch it and stitch it so your your stitches are masked by that last fold and you're stitching kind of between the the garment and the hem the hem facing or hem allowance and I'll remember I was probably maybe 11 at the time and I remember standing next to her and thinking gosh she was like a witch she was so (laughs) magical you know she was just like she was also my grandma you know she made me do things I didn't want to do about my manners and stuff like that but she just taught me these things that I I thought were very um, convincing about mm. skill, and I wanted my hems to be invisible. You know, I wanted my matches, my plaids to match. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, that's like amazing because my hems were not invisible. <laughs> they were very <laughs> much visible. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh my gosh. That's, I'm, I am so fascinated just by your, just your journey um, and your background. And it makes so much sense. Like it's, I feel like it's a very organic transition into the work that you do now with, um, and your writing, like your writing is so beautiful and so insightful oh, and yeah. Um, so I think it, I don't know. It, it feels like there's always been this organic, like this authentic presence in how, in the work that you do and how you show up. Yeah. Presence, but there's also appetite, Michelle. There's mm. this thing that drives me that I, I don't think like I'm just now I'm thinking about um, in the year between high school and college my father had left my family, and so I am the eldest daughter, and I was insistent on going to live with him. So he lived in Houston, Texas at the time, and I didn't have, you know, I was a high school, I had just graduated from high school. So I had all the skills that you have when you're in high school. You know, I I knew how to work at a drive-in, I worked at a camp, you know, I, 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 I could sew, we knew that, we, I could sew. <laughs> and um, I showed up in Houston and my dad thought I was going to stay for a week, but I was like, I'm here, I'm moving in. We found an apartment. I found us an apartment and I knew, okay, I, my father was not a very healthy person. And I, so I needed to figure out how to make a living really quickly. And I got a job at a health food store selling herbs and I started sewing for people. I just hung up my name on, you know, three by five cards and bulletin boards around the neighborhood where I lived. And pretty soon I was making aprons for the health food store to sell. And I was making dresses for people. And um, that skill was such a, I didn't think of myself as particularly skilled in the moment. Because it was just what I had done since I was 10, you know, and I was 18. So I wasn't very smart, but I was capable. And I did, you know, I, I, I like thinking about that time. You know, I just, I remember sewing. Gingham was very popular in 1976, 1977. Seersucker Gingham. And I just sewed so much stuff. Like 
you know, I think when you, when you kind of, you talk about the through line of my life, I think that that appetite to express has really never left me. And even today, I have not been having the greatest of days. I've had, I'm working on this writing project that is um, kind of steep. And um, I've got some other stuff going on in my life that's a little bit challenging. Um, I'm enrolling backyard art camp. I'm, you know, I'm kind of toggling between these various things. And um, this, and today's the 100th day of the 100 day project. So I, you know, I had that to take care of, which I did. I took care of that. You know, that daily accountability is super important to me. I fulfilled that. and there was a moment where I was like, okay, man, I just want to, I just want to go to the river and swim and, mm. you know, and I will probably go to the river after this, but there was this other part of me and the greater part of me perhaps, but I don't necessarily want to make it a value judgment, but there was another part of me that was stronger that said, Suze, just, just go to your journal. Let's start at your journal. And then you can open your writing book and then you can open those notes you took on that project. And then you can do a little bit of reading and then, and suddenly it's 10 minutes before I'm supposed to talk to you. And, you know, I have taken care of my responsibilities. I have looked after things and I have also let my daily practice kind of carry me um, in a way. And, and, and I think that's, more than the skills that have been a through line, it's that quality of, it's not a quality, it's momentum and attention. Mm. Together, those things just keep me really curious. Yeah. Well, what would happen if I did that? You know, like, they, so I'm, I'm graced. I mean, I have had very difficult times in my life. You know, I've, I've, I have had some really rough things happen in my life and, I have been able to sort them out um, through this regularity, the habits that I have that um, bring me a sense of groundedness and connection. Mm. I love that. Um, Going back to when you were like, you know, uh, in high school and college, like that time period where you're like, you're working at a health store and you're like, well, I can sew you and you put up a sign. Like, that's just so amazing. Like entrepreneurial. And I'm just going to like, and then start charging. Like, <laughs> love that. Um, I have like a, a newbie question about sewing. So when people like, when you're sewing, you work with a sewing machine. Yeah. It's not just by hand. Yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> sewing machine. Yeah. 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 That was the I'm, gift. That was my, my, oh, let's see today. Yeah. I graduated from, from, when I graduated from high school, my mom gave me an electric Viking yeah. I remember I um, when I was in elementary school, we had um, I mean we we had shop class and I guess it was called home ec, um, and I was awful with the sewing machine. <laughs> it's just like it's hard. It's very like you know because there's different stitching patterns. You got to thread the thread properly, right? And it was like I just remember like. It was easier to work with um, the router at the wood shop, like, you know, much easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, my daughter is the same way. I was like, oh my gosh, Catherine, come on. You should know how to do this. I was so, I couldn't believe it. But she, yeah, now she wants to learn, like learn. But that, what you're talking about, Michelle, that pattern of threading the machine is like, I think every job probably has the entry level um, skill set that you need in order to succeed and threading the machine is it for sewing with the machine like if you can't thread that thing forget it you're just gonna mess up and you'd be miserable and make big tangles of thread and make yourself cry at least you didn't oh. stitch your finger oh no i i remember do. there was this one like we were making these bonnets like <laughs> and Cute. uh yeah. And like, we had to like, there was this particular stitch and we were graded on it. And I was like, I don't. And then my friend's like, Oh, I'll help you. <laughs> so she did it for me. And I was like, Oh, great. And then I got graded on it. And I was like, Oh, I didn't, you know, anyways, I got an A. And my friend was like, 
I didn't intentionally cheat. She was just helping me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you if she had needed something routed, I'm sure you would have done it for I her. I would have happily helped her. <laughs> so did you have boys in home ec too? Yeah, it was like, it was, I think it was seventh grade and eighth grade. And we took like, I went to, a, I grew up in a Catholic, like it was a Catholic school and it was, we had to take the bus to a different Catholic school that had funding for like you know it was very uh, oh wow yeah um a lot so, of effort went into that yeah but it was fun we made sloppy joes in home ec and <laughs> oh what a good thing yeah so sloppy joes are a good family thing they're a good potluck item because yeah, you can make I mean, sloppy joes out of ground turkey you know if you have people who are like oh i don't need beef but there's other foods yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, uh, so yeah, um, you have different projects happening. Um, you were talking about the hundred day and you, the hundred day project. Yeah. Yeah. And so is that, so is that something that you participated in? Cause it seems like artists kind of come together. Like, yeah, well, it's a free worldwide art project that, oh. Um, it, it, there's a really interesting history to it. The, um, the 100 day project is, they have a beautiful, simple website. It's a good thing to check out. And so you could kind of get the background, but a woman named Lindsay Robin or Lindsay Thompson and L Luna are the two women who brought it to social media. And so if you search hashtag hundred day project or do the 100 day project on Instagram, you'll see thousands of posts people do it um there's a um lindsay and al have it beginning in february for 100 days so it just ended today june 1st but um you know you can start your 100 days whenever it's not something you pay to belong to or anything like that i have had um sort of an accountability group on kajabi this past time for my audience for people who want to pay a very low amount to participate in that uh, which was good because there's a whole bunch of people who want to do it, but don't want to tangle with social media. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but yet want that sense of a group and, and sort of all of us moving along together. So that's been really fun. I've done the project probably six or seven years now. And, uh, you know, it's really guided or it's really self-study and you decide how intense or, um, my friend Lori did a hundred days of headstands. You know, mm. it can be whatever you want it to be. Um, my friend Janet you know, taught her dog a new trick. They worked on the trick for 100 days. He didn't learn a hundred tricks. Um, I've done, you know, I've been carving stamps for the last two. Um, and before that, I, I'm very interested in color and it's not something I know. I didn't study color theory, you know, it was, you know, it was not part of my theater curriculum. So I don't have a long background and understanding of colors. So I, I did several, two different of my 100 days were focused on color experiments. Um, it's a really great way to, to nurture your attention. I mean, to do anything, yeah. you know, with that kind of, um, focus and determination is bound to change your habit mm -hmm. I love that you were saying how like it, it just feels like it's a way to explore and really like like your curiosity that what you were saying because like you're saying about color um and exploring color and then your stamp like like it's it's cool how I guess like my assumption is like, oh, artists, they know how to work with color. Like, <laughs> but like there's what you're saying about color theory and like, just, I love that. Like, there's like no judgment, just curiosity. Let's just play and see what comes. Right. Well, and you know, you can make it as complex or simple as you like. I, I seem to have, um, I really like to study stuff and I like to read about things and Last year, when I was doing the stamp carving, I, I discovered two or three different artists that I got some of their books used online. And I sort of 
used those as my jumping off point. I really watched, you know, looked at their work carefully, read about them. Um, this year I didn't do quite as much as that, but then, you know, I just, I had two, I have two different friends. I, I, I know a couple of printmakers, so I've had some really good discussions. I've asked some good questions. My fr friend Celeste down at the Aeromont School just got me started on this kind of paper that I never would have chosen for myself, you know? So I think anytime you put yourself in the path of learning, there's things that happen that you don't expect. And mm. that's one of the things about the 100 days. Since it's sort of, you know, self-designed, you get to say, oh, maybe I'm going to hang around with Ashton Ludden for a little bit and look at her prints and study her carving tools and all the cool things that she uses. It's, That's so cool. I am so fascinated. And I'm just like, I think like to spend like a week or two with you just to see like all the projects <laughs> you're in and like how fun and it's just so creative and, and like, there's, I don't know, that quality of depth, right? Because the I feel like the connection to nature is also so important. Like it just, um, like all of the pieces of what you bring, there's, um, there's so much soul to it. Like I just, you know, even if I, because I'm on your newsletter and you were, you sent something out around journaling. Here are some journaling prompts. And even just reading the questions, I haven't answered the question in my mind I did. But like, even just reading it, I felt alive. Just like, oh, I love that idea. Right. Yeah. I'm glad yeah. you looked at those. Yeah. You know, Michelle, it's a really important thing. Um, I think that when I am at my low points, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh, fuck, is this it? And, and, and one of the things that I've heard women say, one of the aspects of one of the areas of my work around motherhood and creativity and women mothers or not, and creative expression. Um, I've interviewed a lot of women. And I one of the most heartbreaking questions I've heard is, is this it? Mm. Like, is this it for me? Is this, is this like what I just woke up with? Is this all? Or is there something more? And, and, and it's that, that possibility of more that I think can move us from this place of like disappointment and mm. despair which is a natural outcome of living in the patriarchy you know it is it is not self-generated it is the res direct result of being told who we can be when we can be it and what we should look like doing it mm -hmm. and and so for me creative expression is the way that I just say fuck off to that whole paradigm and and take the time for myself and create spaces for others to take that time for themselves and so even those prompts um god there's a part of me that's saying I shouldn't be swearing um <laughs> uh there's those prompts are really come from a place of not oh what's a fun way to spend 15 minutes of your life but how can you return to that deep place of being connected to your longing and the idea that your longing is important enough to act on? Yeah, I I love how you tied it to like fucking the patriarchy. <laughs> like, like these questions, these journaling questions, like are that deeper yearning to create like... Wow, you know, yeah. yeah, you know. I mean, I seen. I just have this image of you stuck in my mind of one of the rituals we did in Advent Dark Journal, and you took yourself to the water. And yeah. I know you remember that. And I just, you know, I witness things like that. Your commitment, as nonsensical or unproductive or whatever as that prompt may have been. I have seen people take themselves to a different place that through a somewhat simple act, make a little assemblage that's in a, a mandala in a natural place with things you find. You know, that's a pretty 
simple thing. Um, they have discovered something about themselves that feels new and precious and authentic. And I, I just, you know, for as long as I live, I want to be in this place of invitation for people. I want to be, I want to, I want to say fuck off to the patriarchy. I want to clear the space for people who don't feel like they have a space. I want them to feel that they have the skills to clear that space. That is what I really want to be about in my life. Mm. And I, yeah. And just like how you deliver like the, the content and the invitations, like there's something about it that you recognize that it's not always easy, like to take that action. And yet like, like moving through that resistance, you know, and every, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. even like taking, you know, going to the water and also like the solstice uh, ritual, like all of that. I yeah. was just like, Oh God, I got to put on my jacket and it's cold. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you know, I have to, my, my, one of my most beloved teacher mentor friends, Paulus Berenson told me once, he said, when you teach, you make it a banquet. Mm. You make it so bounteous that there's something that everyone can enjoy. And I don't want to overwhelm people. You know, it's very easy for me. I can, I can be overwhelming. I'm very enthusiastic. And um, I, so it's something I'm aware of, but when I teach, I really try like the package that you get for Advent Dark Journal, I package it so you don't open everything at once. You know, and so that there's a bit of a pace and the banquet, this part of the banquet is revealed now, this part of the banquet is revealed then. And it gives you a chance to like indulge a little and then feel like, oh, ooh, I want more of that, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's a, it's a funny thing. And I just always think of my teacher Paulus in this, that uh, this sense that I want everyone to feel welcome at the tables that I spread. and. And I don't diminish, I will, I, I really aim to be um, inclusive in that invitation mm-hmm. and understand, you know, I've been the person living on food stamps. I have been the person with little kids and a partner who's away and, and trying to figure out how to navigate a difficult hour. And, you know, I, I mean, whatever, I don't have to list all the reasons why, but it's, it's easy to think that everybody has 10 minutes. No, well, not everybody feels like they have 10 minutes. So how can I frame these questions in a way that even with you reading them, they sort of stick. There's a little yeah. bit of stick to them. You know? Yeah. Oh, Susie, it's been such a pleasure. Like I just, mm. um, yeah, I love getting to know you more. <laughs> I know. Likewise. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, how can yeah. listeners get to know you more and, uh, connect with mm. you? Sure. Well, one way is to subscribe to my newsletter, which is by joining my website. And that just puts you on my MailChimp list. Because that's where everyone can get those, that PDF of daily prompts like you're talking about. And I just upgraded that. So you got the one with the sort of golden color around it, right? I, yeah, I don't Do remember. remember. I, I, I did get the, your latest one too. Oh, good. Well, then that's great. Yeah. That's all, that's all yeah. I care about. Um, yeah. That, so joining my list is a great way to do that. Um, that's where I announce where I teach. My backyard art camp is coming up here in the Berkshires in August. I have two, sorry, there's a mosquito right here. Um, there's two sessions that are open for that. I have a few seats in each of those. Um, and that's a book art and ritual workshop here in my backyard with the oak tree. Um, I'm teaching at Snow Farm uh, in September, but I know that class is already booked. And then Advent Dark Journal, that's, you know, if you're on my newsletter, you will get that. And I have a limited number of seats for that because I do make those packages and I am not a company. I am myself. Um, though I, I usually, I, I have an assistant for that to help me with all of that preparation, which I love doing. Um, so yeah, that's a great way or Instagram, you know, Susie BB is another way. 
you have that link. So yeah, um, they'll all be in the show notes and um, check out Susie's work on Instagram. It's, it's just fun. <laughs> well, you know what I gave you also, Michelle, is links to two of the, so, you know, can I just say one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to take too much time. Um, sort of the river under the river or the deeper work that I'm doing around all of this is writing a memoir. And um, it's really about spiritual hunger and, mm. and, and sort of how I grew up with, how I grew up hungry and where I found, found nourishment. And uh, so the, I sent you two links to pieces from my work that have won awards in the last two years. The award is wonderful, but it's the publication that's super important. So um, you have those links and readers might, people, listeners might enjoy a deeper read. Um, I would love to share that work with people. And those are easy to find online. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I'm so excited. Yeah. yeah. So you're, um, you're, writing your memoir but you've had written work that that's the links that you sent me yeah yeah those are part sections of the memoir yeah oh my gosh okay well I I can't wait to read it and uh once you have your memoir written have you back on (laughs) yay (laughs) thank you Uh, well thank you Susie for your time and uh just sharing your story and your just like your journey it's I think it's really enriching to hear. Um, and yeah, it's, I just love, I just love learning more. So. Well, thanks for your great questions. And I really enjoyed spending this time with you. To help you feel more supported and nourished in your body and nervous system, you're invited to download the free I am supported meditation in the show notes. May you feel grounded in who you are as you become the fullest expression of yourself. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And thank you in advance for sharing with those who can benefit. Until next time.